Hey, good afternoon and welcome to SWAT Radio. This is Doug McCary of His Light Ministries. I'm so glad you could join us on this Thursday, September 24th. Today is Thursday, and Thursday is our guest day. And today we have not only a pastor who's our guest, uh, but a friend of mine and a brother who I've known for uh, a long time now. He's been a um, a good mentor, a good Barnabas, just about a good encourager man. He has been he's been a great friend to me in the ministry, and helped me understand Greek, which that was a challenge in itself for him. But uh, I'm so happy to welcome Dr. Lance Waldy to SWAT Radio. Lance, welcome. Uh, are you there? Can you turn the, uh, make sure this, I can't hear him, Steve. We're having a little difficulty here for some reason. I can't hear him. I can't hear him, Steve. I don't have him. I can't hear him. I don't know if. If I can't hear him, I don't know if anybody can. Um, can you, I can I can hear you, Doug. Okay, now we got you. I got you now. Hey, Lance, okay. uh, uh, real quick, are yeah. you hearing any music in your uh, background or anything? I didn't when Steve did, but I hear a lot now. Okay, no, he Steve, he's hearing the music now. Turn it down. I hear uh, Toto playing in the background. All right, well, yeah, what about now? Is it off now? Can you hear it? Oh, you know what, Steve? That's controlling his volume, but it's also controlling the music. Something's wrong. We need to get uh, Larry or somebody in here. Uh, hey, can, can you hear me, uh, Lance? Yeah, I hear you fine now. I don't hear anything in the background. All right, that's good. <laughs> We're in a different studio here, and it's like a little crazy because of COVID. We've been meeting in this place, and it's uh, a little crazy. But thank you for joining us today on uh, SWAT Radio, and uh, you are out at Harvest Bible Church out in Cypress, Texas. I've had the pleasure of being there many times. You guys have supported uh, Lori and I in ministry, what we do over in India over the years, and uh, just so happy to be in partnership with you. And how are you guys doing in the midst of COVID and everything going on? How how are y'all doing out there? Oh, well, we're just trying to make it through all the media onslaught of uh, silliness, uh, but... uh don't know anyone that's sick, quite frankly. Well, that's good, isn't it? <laughs> Nobody's sick? Yeah, it's absolutely good. It's wonderful. It's, uh, <laughs> you'd think that the whole world is dying, but uh, and certainly there are some, but it uh, doesn't seem to be as, uh, as prevalent as is reported. Well, you, Lance, and I have known each other a long time. You're married to Cheryl, and you have two children that are out of the house, and... Um, so you're you're there. How long have you been a pastor out at uh, Harvest? Let's see. It'll be uh, be nineteen years. Nineteen actually it is nineteen years. Yes, nineteen years pastoring a church, and that was a church plant that came out of really when you were at Cyprus. We were there. That's where we met you, I think, and uh, had right. the had the privilege of uh, learning Greek from you and. Uh, and it was a pleasure to be in that. And uh, you, like I shared, you, you've been such a great friend. Um, Lance, you have had a, a deep commitment to the Word of God and exposing to the Word of God. And that's one of the things you and I share. Uh, and it's a core value of SWAT. And one of the reasons I'm excited to have you on this week is because as a pastor, I know that you have had apostates that you've either heard about or you've witnessed personally. That's what we've talked about this week from Hebrews chapter 10. And I was hoping you could help kind of clear up some things because we've gotten some questions about uh, that chapter because some people teach that you can actually lose your salvation based on some of these passages in Scripture. Uh, And I know you've taught through it. How have you dealt with those questions of you know specifically 
in chapter uh, six and ten where it talks about falling away. You know, uh, and I know that the just the pat answers First John two nineteen they fell away because they were never part of us. But how it, it seems like in the writing itself, from the English perspective, that it it indicates that people were there but they fell away. How do you answer that? Well, uh, we've certainly seen it, and uh, I think everyone has, has experienced it. I think everyone has this question. We know people that we think are saved, that make a profession of faith in Christ, uh, repent of their sins. Their life may show some fruit for a while as well, but then they turn away. And I think it's important to make the distinction. Ultimately, it's it's that apostasy, which means to fall away. It's a Greek word that means to fall away. is different than someone who is a Christian who is what we would call backslidden, who is taking a turn for, uh, let's, let's just say they're going after fleshly pleasures and they're living for themselves for a while. Those are not people that have, that have denied the faith. Mm-hmm. An apostate would be one who has heard the gospel and who really understands the gospel. They understand it. Uh, they understand it clearly. In fact, we might say that Satan understands the gospel very clearly. Mm. But these people, having come to an understanding of the truth, decide at a certain time, for whatever reason, that they're done with it. They don't want it. Mm. It's not a matter of being backslidden or being angry with God for a time for, for a disappointment in life, as absurd as that can be, but it is a simple, I'm done with this, I understand who Jesus is, he's God in the flesh, he died for my sins, he rose again, I did like it at one time, I don't anymore. That's an apostate... And how can I explain it? I can only explain it by saying that the people that do that were never saved, as First John 2.19 says, and were among us for a time, um, acted like it, but uh, for whatever reason have said we're done with it. And uh, I think ultimately if they are not God's children to begin with, they believe something and probably thought they could get something from God. And that has been my experience from the people that I've seen, is they felt like and were led to believe that God was going to give them something. Uh, all their dreams were going to come true. Maybe they were going to be healthy and wealthy. Uh, that prayer, quote-unquote, worked. Um, one of the apostates told me that prayer doesn't work. I'll never pray another prayer. I'm done with this. You can have it. Mm. And I could see just a deep disappointment. And so they were done, apostatized, moved on, and without any regrets. Well, I think one of the confusing things for people is, as they look at Romans 10 specifically, is down in 32 where it says, recall the former days when you, after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with suffering. So these are people that actually suffered for the name of Christ or with, and it says, you know, they were partnered with those that were treated that way, um, and they, they, they actually accepted the plundering of the property. And at those people, like you go, wait a minute, these people were that bought in, but they weren't all in? I mean, I, I don't understand. And then going back to uh, chapter, uh, I think it's chapter 6, those who have been enlightened, that word used enlighten again, who have tasted the heavenly gift. Can you Tell us from a Greek perspective, that word enlighten, what does that mean? Do you, do you know when, because it's used a couple of times there, that's not the same thing as being regenerate, is it? Well, and that's the important thing to note, is the words that are used in these passages, in Hebrews 6, verses 4 to 8, in Hebrews 10, 26, 27, um, in these passages, the words that we use for salvation are not used. It doesn't say that they were, it says they were enlightened. It doesn't say they were justified by faith. Mm-hmm. It doesn't say that they were sanctified. It doesn't say that they were regenerated. It says that they were enlightened. People can be enlightened to the truth. They can be told what's true, but their will to reject it or receive it is there. And so, yeah, you can do a good study on the Word, but to be enlightened, it's, you don't need to know Greek to understand that word. Enlightened means, I didn't know something, now I do, I've been enlightened. What you do with it from there really will determine what, whether or not you are justified or just merely enlightened. Those people in Hebrews 6 were enlightened. They tasted. They didn't eat. They tasted it. You know, we taste things all the time. We may or may not like it. We may try to make ourselves like it. But after a time, we realize, I don't like it. Mm. And so we, we, we're we done with it. And I think that's 
I think it's very clear. I, I hate to say it's very clear because I know it's a controversial passage, uh-huh. but uh, there's really no other thing that it can mean, especially with the little parable that the writer of Hebrews puts on in verses 7 and 8, talking about rain falling on soil. If it doesn't produce a fruit, it's worthless. If it does, it's not worthless. It's it's real, and it illustrates what this being enlightened, tasting, even partaking of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't say baptized by the Holy Spirit, doesn't say filled, doesn't say overcome, but partaking of it, mm-hmm. tasting it, feeling it, being enlightened by it, and then deciding at a certain point, it's not for me. That is an apostate. Mm-hmm. And then if you were to go over to, say, Hebrews 10, in the same book, uh, you've got verse 26 where it says, if we go on sinning willfully after receiving a knowledge of the truth, the word for knowledge there is a is is the word gnosis, or, or simply gnosis, the word for knowledge. But the word used there is, it's got a little uh, a superlative attached to the front of it, epi, epigenosis, epigenosis. It means deeper, right? Doesn't it mean like a deeper? Knowledge. Yeah, deeper knowledge. That's... Yes, it would be like, you know, I would, know, I would say that, that you and I are good and old friends, close friends. I know you. I have an epigenosis of you. There are people in my own church I may have just met last week. I know them. I know their name. Hmm. Or I know my wife intimately, but I know other people simply rudimentary, hmm. in a rudimentary way. Um, this is, in that passage, it is to a specific knowledge, an intimate knowledge. Those who go on sinning willfully after receiving the intensive knowledge and who, who fall away, there is no longer a sacrifice for their sins. That's hmm. come and gone for them. Well, hey, uh, thanks for, for helping out with that. We're going to have you come back. And uh, we're talking with Dr. Lance Waldy. And, and Lance, when we come back, I want to talk your book on Christian apologetics a little bit and apologetics in our culture now. You're listening to SWAT Radio, Dr. Lance Waldy from Cypress, Texas. We'll be right back after this break. If you'd like to contact SWAT Radio, the toll-free number is 1-844-777-7928. That's 844-777-7928 or 844-777-SWAT. You can also listen to this program through the WTRJ The Truth app from the App Store or over the Internet by accessing www.swatradio.com. We'll be back shortly for further discussion and to take your calls. We're so grateful for having people like Tom Neal Truck Company sponsoring SWAT Radio. Tom Neal Truck Company is located at 417 Edgewood Avenue South in Jacksonville, Florida. Tom Neal is a full-service franchise truck dealer for Freightliner, Western Star, Volvo, Isuzu, and Sprinter vans offering new and used truck sales, service, parts, and truck rental, and leasing to the North Florida and South Georgia truck market. More information on Tom Neal Truck Company is located at www.tomneal.com. That's www.tomnehl.com. They say sometimes you win some, sometimes you lose some. And right now, right now I'm losing back. Stood on this stage night after night, reminding the broken it'll be alright. But right now, oh right now, I just can't. It's easy to say when there's nothing to bring me down. But what will I say? I'm held to the flame like I am right now. Hey, this is Doug McCary of His Light Ministries. Welcome back to SWAT Radio. If you are just tuning in, SWAT stands for Spiritual Warriors Advancing Truth. We're happy to be broadcasting on 91.7 here in Jacksonville, 91.9 in St. Augustine, 91.3 in Folkestone, Georgia. Up on the lighthouse up in uh, the Virginia Beach, Chesapeake, Virginia area, and in uh, Meridian, Mississippi on WMER. And if you're transitioning out of a vehicle uh, yeah, and you want to listen, you can go to SWATradio.com 
click on the listen live link we also have an app at the app store and uh, if you're listening today and you have a question you can send a question to ask at swatradio.com ask at swatradio.com uh, lance before we start talking a little bit about apologetics in this current age we're living in i want to go back to hebrews 10 for a second and talk about the verse in verse 24 after he says let us draw near in 22 let us hold fast let us consider how to stir one another up and then he says not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some and i I just want to talk about that for a second in light of everything that's been going on and our culture for the last six months uh recently uh Pastor John MacArthur out in uh, California has made news, uh, been on a lot of news programs because of his stand to do just that uh, when the governor has said, no, you can't do that. Um, That verse particularly um, talks about not neglecting to meet together. Was that, I mean, just from your understanding of that letter, uh, I mean, were were they being told not to be together by the Jewish people back then? Or why? I mean, that's a pretty specific um, exhortation, you know, to meet and not to not meet, right? I mean, do you know what right. what, what was going on there specifically or how we, sh- we should apply that? I know individually we applied a lot, but even corporately when we've we've been told for six months not to meet i mean how how have you handled that as a pastor um well uh we uh we did you know in texas our our governor asked us to stop meeting and uh, to try to as they said lower the curve and try to help uh the hospital staff uh around the area around the state, I should say, and and we did. We did our part. I think we met uh, or we stopped meeting for five or six weeks, and uh, and then we started to meet again. Uh, middle of April was the week after after Easter. Found people coming left and right. Uh, some wore masks. Very few wore masks. But, uh, you know, you, you want to be, as a pastor, I wanted to be sensitive to, to people that were afraid, and people are afraid. They're afraid of, uh, I would say, inexplicably, you've got, People that are Christians, calling themselves Christians, who are afraid of death, which I, for the life of me, will never understand. This is this is the life we're living of death. To be released from here is to go into eternity and have eternal life with Christ. But uh, I understand people not wanting to die yet. Um, so people have been afraid, thinking if they go to church, start singing, they'll they'll, uh, <laughs> they'll, they'll get sick and die. And and we want to be sensitive to that. As time has gone on and the statistics read what they do, it's uh, as I said earlier, it's a, it's a bit silly today. And and I think that some people uh, just don't want to go to church. You know, church is quite easy when you're able to watch it online and stay in your bed and not have to deal with people you may or may not like. Uh, it's uh, just become a lazy thing. So I, you know, the Hebrews were were falling away from their faith. That was the point of the of the letter written to the Hebrews in the New Testament. Uh, the writer is trying to get them to stop and and go not go back to their old Judaistic religion. This is what they wanted to do. Seemingly, is what they wanted to do. Is trying to keep them from doing that. Mm-hmm. And when people are backsliding, when they're Thinking of themselves, they stop going to church. Church is not a priority for people who are not walking with Christ. And so, hence the admonition there in chapter 10, verse 25, that was then. I think the same is true today. People find every reason they can to not go. And given the state of many churches today, I can't blame them. I mean, churches today, it's a big... It's a big pep rally in, in many cases, and or it's just dead, and people wonder, why should I be there? But that doesn't, I should say, that doesn't excuse at all us not assembling together. This is a command, and uh, the we've been shown that the, st- the statistics that this COVID virus is is minimal at worst. I know there's people have died, but people die every day. Should we give up forsaking, should we forsake, I should say, uh, assembling together for the worship of Christ by living and opt for fear? I, I'm a pastor. I say no. I mean, I, what else am I going to do? I encourage people to not meet together. No, I, I tell them to show up and be here for worship. And if you get sick, you get sick. Let God's sovereignty run its course. Well, I I, I certainly appreciate that uh, perspective. I, I, I shared uh, this earlier this week about 
a book called The Rise of Christianity. A guy named Starkey had written it, uh, basically documenting how Christians during the plagues in the Roman Empire would take care of the people dying because the relatives, their Roman relatives, their pagan relatives and friends would not take care of them because they were so fearful of contracting the plague. And it was the Christians who stepped up risking their life, some of them dying, but a large majority of them not dying. And um, yes. but, but they had such a powerful testimony that even the emperor himself commented to it. And so I appreciate that perspective and, and you sharing on that. And, you know, as, as we think about the Hebrews themselves, you know, you had mentioned that they had want, they were being pressured to go back. I, I don't think people in America uh, are being pressured to go worship and sacrifice goats or lambs or, you know, that we have different idols that we're running back to. But apostasy is still here, and I, I just am curious, as you teach the word out there, because I know you exposit every week, get, what, what's, your, what's your take right now on our temperature as a country spiritually? Uh, just what you see in the churches. You, you alluded to it a while ago about not blaming people to go to churches. Why do you think churches are so impotent as a whole in our country right now? Well, I think that's easy. The, the preachers that are out there calling themselves pastors are are uh, apostates themselves. They have apostatized from the orthodox faith of Christianity, from preaching the Bible. They they either don't believe it or they just think that it's too offensive and have made up their own way of doing church. Uh, and, and in a, a man-made way, they have... They've made it work. You know, it, it's big. Uh, these churches are wealthy. They tell the people what they want to hear. Um, I can tell you that in our church, just lately, in the, in the aftermath of the COVID virus, we've had more people than ever, and I mean than ever in our 19-year history, uh, coming just because they're frustrated with either their church not meeting or be their church making them uh, get an appointment to come to church, or just that they demand that they wear masks and sit eight feet away from everybody. I mean, what's the point of assembling together if you can't be together, if you can't greet one another with a holy kiss? Mm-hmm. And I mean that in a in a in quote-unquote, you know, we embrace and shake hands today. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's The people are downtrodden because this, this is what their pastors tell them. It, it's an empty, worthless message. Why are there apostates? I don't know that I would call it all apostasy. People are falling away from a false gospel, which means they were never saved to begin with. Mm. Um, I don't know many, and I don't think there are many yet that are true apostates. Most people are dissatisfied with what they've been given in uh, in their churches. They believed something, and it didn't work. And of course it didn't work. It was a false gospel. And mm. uh, people come here, I have a we make people give their testimonies when they become members. They write it out, and I can't tell you. I can't count how many there are of people who said, here's what I thought Jesus was. Here's who I know him to be now. Mm. And so just with their testimonies, I see here's what people were taught in the past, and it's what I was taught in the past. And then here's when they came to know Christ. And I don't know anyone who's truly come to know Christ uh, who has said, I'm done with him. Uh, I know that they exist, and I've read accounts, but uh, I've only seen people get tired of their their old false religion. Um, now, in the end times, and I think we have encroached upon them, uh, there will be, as 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3 says, the great apostasy. And that will be the, the large falling away uh, of people who are no longer interested in the Christian faith. Mm. Has that happened? It may be. Um, but I just see people falling away from the false gospel. Wow. So, so, so in in your mind, let me ask you this about Demas because this came up the other day. Uh, I, I've always viewed Demas as an apostate because of the little connective in love with this world he left Paul. Um, is is that a fair assessment of Demas? Or do you think that's too hard on Demas? Do you think he was just a brother who fell uh, short? And he sure was there for a long time with Paul, and he, you know, Paul sends greetings to the churches, and Demas is always there. It's interesting that he never says anything great about Demas, where he does the other men that he's with. 
uh, Luke and Aristarchus and Tychicus. Demas is always just that guy that says hello. But my guess is is that Demas, in Second Timothy 4, verse 10, where he's mentioned um, having abandoned Paul, he knows Paul's about to die. Paul knows he's about to die. And it may be, and again, I, I can only surmise, it may be that Demas has said, you know what? Clearly God didn't answer your prayers, Paul. You're going to lose your head, um, and, and I'm done with this, and I'm going back to Thessalonica. Maybe it was a lapse of, of judgment, uh, but I don't know that we can put him in the category of an apostate like we can, say, a Judas Iscariot. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, well, I, I just, that, that phrase, in love with this present world, I was just curious about that, the, the word used for love there. Maybe in the break you could look that up and tell me uh, what that is, if it's the agape uh, love, because... I don't know that that it, it just the fact that that's there and we got to go to our break right now. Um, okay. We're good. We're going to be right back. Uh, would you mind checking on that for me just to give me the Greek on that <laughs> since you're Absolutely. my Greek teacher. Uh, hey, you're listening to uh, SWAT radio with Dr. Lance Waldy, who is the senior pastor at Harvest Bible Church out in Cypress, Texas. And uh, if you want to go to that church and you're in the Houston area, You would be blessed by going. Lance teaches the Bible verse by verse and is a a good expositor of God's Word, a faithful expositor, and a good friend. So um, we're going to be right back after the news on the half hour, and Lance is going to continue sharing with us. And when we come back, we're going to share a little bit about his book, A Christian Apologetic for Christian Apologists. He's going to help us understand what that means to be an apologist, especially in this culture now. You're listening to SWAT Radio. Stay tuned after the break. commentary and they're my notes for my sermon so i might have two or three verses on a page and i write about that and then i do a little food for thought uh, and it's it's a daily thing if you want it i've done the the birth of christ uh, i've done the the death of christ i've done my favorite one that i did is on the book of ecclesiastes called uh, eat drink and enjoy um and so uh, i enjoyed that but it's still these are commentaries it's not like someone's going to buy them and say wow what an amazing book uh they're just uh, devotional commentaries. Mm. And, yes, you can find them on Amazon. Wow. Well, Eat, Drink, Work, and Enjoy. Uh, that is his book on Ecclesiastes, which is always a good book to spend a little time in. Um, and and also the Christian apologetic. Let's talk a little bit about apologetics. You know, a lot of people wonder why why is a po- – well, first of all, what is apologetics? For people who might be listening and go, what what is that, an apology? What does that mean? So, well, the word apology, uh, apologia, in the, it's a Greek word. It means to make a defense. And so, when we talk about apologetics, we're talking about making a defense for God or the, or the Bible or the Christian faith or for our own salvation. So, it's not saying I'm sorry. It's saying, okay, here's why I believe what I believe. It's an, it's an apologetic. So, to write a book on apologetics, or to read a book on apologetics, is to read a book that shows you. Uh, how the Christian faith is real. Of course, you can also use it. Uh, you take a course in apologetics in law school on defending the law. So it's not simply a Christian word, but it does mean to give a defense. Well, I know that um, when you when you think about our faith, we live in a time today, Lance, where a lot of people 
are more drawn to Christ through some kind of an emotional experience than actually allowing their minds to, you know, to, to think about what God reveals in his word. And apologetics isn't true apologetics taking what God has said and, and presenting that in a way that the mind is instructed so that the heart can then follow the mind that way. Is that right? Is that a good way to say it? Sure. I, I get, that's an adequate response. You know, Jesus told us to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Your mind is, it makes sense. And the beautiful thing about Christianity is that you can go investigate it. It's not a feeling that you feel. Whether you feel it, to be true or not, does not negate whether it's true. Truth is truth whether we feel it or not, and uh, we can understand it, and God has given us His Word, and better yet, He's given us His Spirit, which dwells within us and, and teaches us the truth. So it can be defended. It's a historical faith, and the beautiful thing is that many atheists have set out to disprove it and have come back Christians. It's amazing to read their testimonies. Well, and uh, one of the, in fact, there's probably a lot of people listening who have seen the C.S. Lewis movies, you know, the Chronicles of Narnia, I've certainly have read them, and he was an atheist who was brought to Christ through intellectual arguments that instructed, his, you know, his brain before his heart ever followed, and uh, and so your book specifically, do you, do you, it, it, how, I mean, when you go through on the apologetics kind of, you know, arguments and stuff, do you do it topically in your book or do you, uh, how, how do you do that? Um, do you, I mean, well, do you I deal with things like with, how do you prove God is, exists kind of thing? Yes, each one. Um, and I don't think it, at the end of any argument you, you can prove it. God has left, has given us enough for us to know that there is a God and, and kept enough out to uh, allow us some faith. But uh, mine is set up. It's, it's really my book is just my dissertation. I had hoped to write a dissertation that I could give to the youth and my youth group at the church, but I failed miserably. Uh, it was over their heads. <laughs> um, just uh, simply making their argument. Uh, there's the transcendental argument for God's existence. There's the the cosmological argument, which involves also the ontological argument, the teleological argument, the moral argument for God's existence. And, uh, um, of course, you've always got the, the question that comes up, is doesn't evil, the existence of evil, disprove God? My arguments are traditional, and uh, there's really not a lot of new information in my book, if there's any new information. It's a researched, it's a research project, and uh, I was able to get my, my Ph.D. having, having done it. But... Uh, it's chapter by chapter, this argument, this argument, this argument. It goes from proving, showing, I shouldn't say proving, but showing that through intellectual, basic logic, we can believe that there is a God. But that's not enough. You can't just believe in a God. We have to know who that God is, and we understand. So I take a section in the book to talk about whether we can believe the Bible, because the Bible tells us about God becoming flesh. Uh, through Jesus of Nazareth? Can we trust his words? Can we trust the people that wrote about him? How can we trust it? Why should we trust it? And what is the result of trusting that? And at the end, it's it's a life-transforming trust. Uh, it's, it's worth believing that there is a God, and then knowing who that God is, Jesus. He is that God. And by believing in him, we have salvation. We have the forgiveness of our sins, signed, sealed, and delivered. It's a wonderful and beautiful faith, uh, um, and when you understand that, what it means and, and how to argue it, I shouldn't say argue, but uh, defend it, then uh, it's even more beautiful. Well, when you talk about um, faith, I, I know that there are a lot of people, we live in a very pluralistic uh, uh, culture now. You know, everything, you know, uh, Oprah Winfrey said uh, a few weeks ago in an interview, oh, there's many paths to God. Christianity is not the only way. Uh, I I think you did a chapter on Islam and Judaism because there are people who would say, well, you know, we all serve the same God, Allah, you know, you know, a Jew who just believes in God um, and Jesus, you know, there, we all, there's only, you know, there's one God for all of us. Do you get into that at all in your book at all? 
Yeah, um, that's uh, as you said. I have a chapter in there on uh, on Mormonism and on Islam. And you know, people will say there's there's only one God, and we can choose whatever way we want. But the problem with that is that Islam says that Jesus isn't God. Christianity does. They can't both be right. Christianity says that by believing in Christ and in Christ alone, you're saved. Islam says no. So they can't both be right. Uh, it. You have to believe one or the other. They're either one's right and the other wrong, or they're both wrong. Um, the same is true with Mormonism. So there's the comparisons today uh, as to which one could be right. And, and it's worth investigating in some of these other faiths and other religions, uh, because at the end of the day, it, any any honest research proves that there's really no no argument that comes near to the wonderful argument proposed to us and given to us in the New Testament. And as I said, there are atheists that have set out to disprove that, Lee Strobel being one, Josh McDowell being another, uh, people that, that set out to disprove and show the other religions they could be true too, and come out saying, no, this is the only way. Yeah, Lee Strobel, <laughs> uh, it probably, um, you know, he he's probably the most recent. Josh McDowell was years ago, but uh, Lee Strobel wrote a book called The Case for Christ. As I think that was his his journey wasn't it didn't he chronologically put or just kind of put out that that's what changed him as from an atheist was exploring it seeing the evidence and the same i think with josh mcdowell when he wrote evidence that demands a verdict i think all those were things that they wrestled through um they did and so you know honest and i would say quite brilliant men yeah well i think that um that well, and I think uh, McDowell wrote a little booklet called "Also More Than a Carper." That's great. Uh, but uh, Lance's book again, Doctor Waldy's book, is a Christian apologetics. It is. It is. You can go in there. It is outlined chapter, like he just said, on uh, things like he said. You know, the, the, should we believe in God? Uh, it is evil proved there is no God. I think in our current culture, that question comes up a lot. And we're going to go to break and uh, our last break, Lance, and we're going to come right back and uh, just kind of finish up our program today, kind of tying this all together for people out there that maybe struggle with how to talk to people about this or struggling even with what's going on in our culture right now. So uh, hang with us. One more break. We'll be right back. If you're listening on SWAT Radio, stay with us. This program has the potential to reach millions of men each week. If you'd like to learn how you can support this unique program that is helping men understand the truth about Jesus through God's Word and how to impact their lives and the lives of others, then go to www.swatradio.com. Then click on the donate link to help SWAT Radio pass on the truth for the next generation. Highway to Eternity Ministries is a ministry dedicated to encouraging those who have lost hope and coming alongside those who cannot find peace and are considered unfit for inclusion in Christ church. They use published works to teach God's word and share encouraging testimonies of transformed lives. Highway to Eternity Ministries serves as a parachurch ministry that comes alongside churches to share its passion and commitment through spiritual writings, nuances, and experiences to everyone who has an interest in the teachings of Jesus Christ. For more information, contact Jeff Andrews at 904-436-5175. I pull, go back and forth, finding myself Pounding on a locked door I try to make it out alone without your help But I know I'll never win this war I can never be, never be free without you I can never be, never be me Freedom in knowing my life. 
Hey, welcome back to SWAT Radio. You're listening to Doug McCary with my good friend Lance Waldy, Dr. Lance Waldy. Lance, real quick question. Is it D. Lance Waldy? Is it what? Is it, is your name on your, is it D. Lance Waldy? Oh, I thought you said, is it the? No, no, is, is it D, 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 Dr. D. No. D. Lance Waldy? My first name is. My first name is David. Oh, okay. David Lance, and I go by Lance. And to distinguish me from another Lance that was out there, we put D Lance. That just sounds, sounds so dignified. D Lance Waldo. It does, doesn't it? More <laughs> dignified than I deserve, for sure. Especially with doctor in front of it. All the worst. Well, you you have been a, a good brother uh, to me. And, you know, we had the privilege of going to Israel. Uh, by the way, he wrote another book called Glory to the Newborn King. And uh, it, it, that that I take it is uh, an account of the Christmas story. Is that is is that a commentary too on on one of the yeah. Gospels? Glory to the newborn King uh, is uh, my commentary on uh, Christmas, and yeah. uh, just the you know, it takes the the Luke and Matthew narratives, and uh, it's like I said, just me preaching through that in my commentary notes, put into book form, and then. Um, Christ the Lord is Risen Today is uh, this, uh, another book uh, with the same commentary system uh, on the uh, Resurrection Week. Mm-hmm. I tend to repeat those sermons uh, over the course of the years uh, because of the time of year. So I put those into book form. But uh, again, I've probably sold maybe uh, three or four of those through the years. Well, um, well, uh, I, I think you would be... I, I always love reading Christmas story books, Especially here we are in October. You know, some stores are already putting Christmas stuff out. Can you believe that? Uh, already. Um, but I, I like reading those stories. It never gets old to me. And to read from different perspectives on it, you know. And, um, you know, you and I had the privilege of going to Israel together. Um, was that Was that your first time that we went over there? I can't remember off the top of my head. I've been three times, and uh, I know I had been before with my wife. So uh, when you and I had gone, my son was with us, and uh, I think uh, I think that was my second or third trip. Yeah. When well, can you speak just a, a second? Why anybody should ever go to Israel? Any believer? Let me say that any believer. What? What? You remember the kind of remember back to the first time you went? Did it give you? a different view of what you always studied because you had gone to seminary and you know, you, I know you studied Greek and all this stuff. Um, did it, did it help you in any way? I, I don't think that there's any, any way to say how much, um, there's no way to quantify it. It was amazing. I think the best way to sum it up instead of, you know, people will say that it makes the Bible come alive uh, though I understand what they mean, the Bible's alive whether you go to Israel or not. But if you've ever watched a show, or if you, you're accustomed to watching TV as I was in the late 60s and 70s on black and white, and then you got a color TV, mm-hmm. going to Israel is like that. You see the Bible in black and white, but after you've been to Israel, you see it in high-definition color. It just it, mm. When you're reading through it, you know, I've been there. I know what that looks like. I know exactly what they're talking about. It's a... It's a life-changing trip. It really is, and uh, I encourage anyone who can to make their way over there. Well, I'm I'm leading a trip over there in March of 2021. If the Lord wills it, I will be leading a trip over there. It's going to be a little different trip than the one we went on, Lance, where our trip will be a six- to eight-mile hike a day. Uh, we will spend the first four days in the desert um, but I, I, I really enjoyed being over there with you and, and seeing it for, it was very, I, that's the way I would describe it. I would, I would say for going from, I would say even going to 3d, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll go with that. Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, my wife just sent me a text cause she's listening that says, what are you talking about? Christ was born in September. She's she's (laughs) always holding me my feet to the fire, Lance. You know, Um, yes, indeed. I know your wife. She's uh, she doesn't let you get away with anything. Well, wife. You know what? I I prayed with her. I was thinking about. um, I was thinking about just being 
privilege to share God's word, Lance. You've had the privilege of doing it as a senior pastor at Harvest for 19 years, but you were doing it before that. I mean, I, you've, you've had a heart, you know, you've had a, you've had a real heart for that and you've built into me and Lori and helped us. And so, um, I, I just, I want to ask you, you know, when you sit and look on Sundays and you get to do what you do, it, do, do, I know it's hard over the years dealing with people, but isn't it a privilege to just be able to open up God's Word and preach? No, it is. It is. And it's, uh, it's a privilege to open up God's Word to God's people and to be with them. Um, we're all a bunch of stinky, smelly sheep, and uh, by coming together, we, we must really stink when we come together. And yet, <laughs> by the blood of Jesus, uh, God has made us, declared us righteous, and he receives our worship. It's uh, it's the utmost privilege. The difficult task, but uh, a lot of things, and or I should say, everything um, that is worth doing and believing is difficult, and uh, certainly no exception with uh, being a Christian and being a pastor. I wouldn't do anything else. That's why I am. I wouldn't, nor could I. Well, I I know you know I, I remember Spurgeon wanted to resign many many times. Being a pastor is a very very difficult role to be a shepherd of a body to take them through the word and you know you look back at it there was no greater shepherd than god himself and what he dealt with with israel and how they kept seeing god's work and i i get into that next week um on the radio when we look at the faith chapter but faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by the word and so few people actually preach the word in fact lance one of the big struggles that i personally have is that we have taken what i can't remember who said this a pastor said we've turned what used to be the bricks meaning god's word and the stories used to illustrate god's word being the mortar and we've made the stories the mortar and the bricks uh, i mean we made the stories the bricks and the mortar is the word itself now instead of it being flip-flopped, you know, where the real foundation of the church should be the preaching of God's Word, shouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, my understanding is that's all we're supposed to do. I don't, uh, I always laugh when people will come and say, and they'll, they'll say nice things to me, and as you know that I'm I'm 5'8 on my, on my best day, <laughs> I don't have any big football stories, and I'm not a good-looking man, and uh, I don't have anything to say except the Word of God, and people will come and thank me for it, and, and wow, that's amazing. And I'm, I didn't write this book. I'm just, I'm just reading it, explaining it, encouraging you to do it. It's, uh, that's what a preacher is supposed to do. You know, you look at the Old Testament prophets. They said, "Thus saith the Lord." Mm-hmm. God told Ezekiel in chapter three and in chapter thirty-three, "Tell them that they're sinners. If you don't, I'm going to hold you responsible for their sins." Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's gone today. So preaching has become something that it was never intended to be. To go back, to go back and just simply do what God has said to do, it's very simple. Mm. Open the Bible, hold it in your hands, read it line by line, explain it, apply it, say amen and goodbye. And, and that you have given a meal that can trans literally transform people's lives. Mm. Well, I was thinking of First Corinthians two when you were saying those things about yourself. That, like when Paul said, "I when I came, I didn't come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with this lofty speech or wisdom. Um, I decided to know nothing among you except Christ and Him crucified. And my speech, and you know, was in trembling. My message were not implausible words of wisdom, but of the Spirit and power. I think of that, and I think of of a pastor." Uh, a very well-known pastor saying expository preaching is lazy. I mean, we only got a minute left, but can you just, I just want to hear your take on that. I don't even know if I've talked to you about that. He said this at a conference. He said, expository preaching is lazy. What do you, how do you even respond to something like that? Well, I guess the first thing that comes to my mind is that that's exactly someone who is a satanically driven would say. I mean, isn't that what the devil would say? Yeah. To try to make it, to belittle the Scripture, 
to preach expositionally. I mean, Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, uh, give attention to the public reading of Scripture, the explanation of it. <laughs> there it is wrapped in the Bible. If that is somehow wrong, then I don't want to be right. Wow. Anyone who would say that, what that man said, I don't know who it was, and, and it's, I'm not his judge, but that is at best um, irresponsible. At worst, it's straight from the pit of hell. Wow. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Well, Lance, our time has come to an end. Before you get off, and I know I, I, I really don't want to embarrass you, but I do uh, would like for anyone who's listening today, if you want an expository book, um, you know, you can get Eat, Drink, Work, Enjoy, which is Lance's commentary on Ecclesiastes. You can just go to um, Amazon.com and order it. He also has another book on uh, apologetics that you can go to the same place. You can get it right off of uh, right off of um, the Amazon website, uh, and it's uh, he's got one called "Glory to the Newborn King," which is his exposition of Christmas. And like I said, uh, he's got one on apologetics. Just put in Dr. Lance Waldy. Do a search. It pops up. Lance, it's been so great to have you on here today. Thank you for spending Thursday with us, brother, and giving us an hour of your time. It's been my honor. Thank you, Doug. I love you, bud. I love you, too. God bless you. Yeah, keep preaching the word, brother, and we're praying for you out there. All right? Do the same. Hey, you've been listening to SWAT Radio. I know we've had people listening from Texas and who are wondering, how do I get this? Well, if you go to SWATradio.com, it should be up within a couple hours. You can download the link and replay it and share it with friends. Thank you for tuning in today. We will be back tomorrow. I have another guest tomorrow, Dr. Chuck Coker, two-time silver medalist and a guy you want to listen to. So tune in tomorrow on SWAT Radio. If you missed a SWAT Radio broadcast this week and would like to hear any show in its entirety, then go to SWATradio.com. Click on Past Shows, where you can listen to the broadcast. Also, if you're looking for a band of brothers that gather around God's Word to be a part of, then go to SWATradio.com and email one of our hosts, and they can get you plugged in to one of the local SWAT Bible studies. Tune in next time to explore how SWAT Radio is strengthening spiritual warriors and spreading His truth.